0: 98 7 FM Arizona's sports station Burns and Gambo the four o'clock reset brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals four o'clock reset Here's all the top stories of the day get put into one segment the four o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo show we're going to start and end with the Cardinals starting with the latest injury report. Hope you have a while because there's a lot of names on it. J.J. Watt was the newest Cardinal to join a list of did-not practices today, but it was just for rest. Hollywood Brown was uh, limited due to a foot injury today. Rondale Moore and Trayvon Mullen were downgraded to limited today after not being listed at all. And then, of course, there were a bunch of guys in particular on the offensive line who were listed as did-not practice today. For the Eagles, kicker Jake Elliott has been reportedly ruled out for Sunday. So, two backup kickers in this game. He'll be replaced by Cameron Dicker, the backup quarterback, or the backup kicker, I should say. The one weakness on the Eagles. Special teams. Special teams. That's it. The only weakness they've got. That's it. Long injury report. Other notable injuries around the league. Thursday Night Football tonight, it's the Broncos taking on the Colts. No Jonathan Taylor. He will not play for Indianapolis tonight. He's out with a ankle injury? I can't remember exactly what it is. And the Patriots put backup quarterback Brian Hoyer on the injured reserve. Mac Jones was limited, so that uh, Bailey Zeppi guy is going
1: yeah. to be the backup right. now for a little bit, right? Crazy amount of uh, you know injuries to quarterbacks and quarterback changes that could be coming. Interesting game tonight. Broncos and the Colts. Yeah. Uh, yeah interesting I mean, game.
0: Broncos are off to a very uneven start. So yeah. the Colts, two AFC teams that I think much, much more was expected, was expected yeah, out of. of yeah, no doubt. In the NBA, Phoenix Suns got in the preseason win column against the Lakers last night, 119-115. to Booker led the way with 22 points. Didn't shoot well. It was the bench that was kind of the story in this game last night. Landry Schammett had a really good night with 21 points. Jock Landale had 14 and looked like a very active big man for the yeah, Suns. Yeah,
1: he's going to be different than than what they've had in the past for a big man because of his ability to go out and shoot the basketball. But his rebounding has been pretty good too. Out of the three newcomers, I like him the most. I think he had the chance to... You know, I'm not a fan of a Koji or even Damian Lee. And Landell's okay, but I think he has the chance to make the greatest impact. But he's just different. He's a different player. The story from last night's
0: Suns-Lakers game, though, is the health of the two Cams. Cam Johnson and Cam Payne both left the game very early. Cam Johnson with a sprained right thumb. Cam Payne with a sprained right finger. Haven't heard anything new about them. Now, Hoping to get an update on them at some point soon. Yeah,
1: I got to call in. We'll try to see if we can get any information on the update of those two guys. Additionally, Warriors
0: GM Bob Myers addressed the scuffle. Between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole at practice yesterday, apparently Greymon, Draymond Green punched a bunch Jordan Poole during practice.
1: Draymond apologized to
0: the team this morning. Jordan was there in the room. We were I was there in the room, the team, the coaches, players. And um, we heard that. Um, as far as any suspension, punishment, fine. We're going to handle that internally. And uh, I understand you might have questions on that, but that's going to be an internal process. Internal? It's internal.
1: That sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds sounds Ah. familiar. It's internal. I wish Jordan Poole would have decked him. (laughs) I just wish he would have decked him. <laughs> Me too. The baseball season is done. The postseason starts. Here we go with a
0: quadruple header tomorrow of wild card round games. Now officially best of threes that will all be played on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. No travel days on this. Just trying to get it done as quickly as they can. There is Diamondback news today, though. Merrill Kelly going to represent the USA in the World Baseball Classic next season. They're the defending champs, dating back to 2017. First round games will happen at Chase Field. Good for him in March. Good Good for him. him. I'm so happy for him. And you know what? I'll just, as a baseball fan, I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of the World Baseball Classic. You like it? I think that's a really well-run entertaining event. Those guys get into that. So I'm glad to see there's going to be some local representation on that.
1: Big big decisions to make on a lot of guys that are arbitration eligible. Gallen, Kelly, Carson Kelly, uh, Jordan Luplo, Middleton, Maranta, Rojas, Caleb Smith, uh, Walker, Widener, so big de- big decisions coming up for the D-backs. Take a metaphorical stick of dynamite to that bullpen.
0: Blow it up. Got no problem with that. Oh, and then, please. Yeah, one last note from the Dimebacks. Troy Lovello told reporters in his final media availability he will be retaining all of his current coaching staff. So do not expect any staff changes. Yeah, that pitching coach did really
1: well for them. I think yeah. it should keep for
0: Strom. Brent Strom was just fine when it was all said and done. But our top story of the day today here on the Burns and Gambo show is this Cards-Eagles game coming up on Sunday. Sunday, it's going to be a big one, and of course, Jalen Hurts. Even though he's not getting asked about the Cardinals, he wants to make sure they get their credit. I will say this too: um, I didn't get any questions about the Cardinals for real this this game, so I don't want y'all thinking this is this is a really good
1: team we're about to play. They 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 have a really good defense, disruptive up front. Um, they have speed on on the back end, so. Um, Let's,
0: let's not set the precedent for that. This is a good football team. We played that soundbite a lot I last year. It. Got a lot of national attention. Like, what's the Philly media let's not doing? Set the not set precedent. Ask me about the opposing team. Yeah, ask me. Let's not pretend like we're so much better than them right. that we're just going to roll over them. Good, for him. Uh, good ask, for him. Ask me about them. The, the similarities between Kyler Murray and Jalen like Hurts. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, he he he's got a I little like got a little moxie to him. Um, the similarities between Hurts and Kyler. I, I mean, that's, very similar. It, yeah, it's it's. it's there really are a lot of almost like step for step similarities.
1: Yeah they were both raised in Texas grew up about 300 miles from each other um, you know they both transferred to Oklahoma to finish their college careers they were never teammates Murray was there in 2018 won the Heisman, Hurts came a year later after he left Alabama and they both you know dual threat quarterbacks and you know they're both having some success in the NFL now this is the second time that they are meeting, they did meet once before and it was a fun fun game for yeah. anybody that remembers this you got to go back to december 20th of 2020 and these two guys put on a show like they put on a show cardinals won the game 33 26 both quarterbacks were great Hertz was a rookie he had 401 combined yards he had four touchdowns he ran up like for 60 yards he he threw for like 340 he was great Murray had four hundred and six passing yards, which is a career high, and he had four touchdowns. It was a fantastic football game. Both guys balled out. Cardinals won it in a shootout 33-26, but much different teams this time around.
0: Well, and that's the, the thing that especially from the Philly standpoint has been pointed out. His pass catchers in that week fifteen game against the Cardinals in 2020, Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, Zach Ertz was on that team. Goddard was on that team. Um, there's only a handful of them that are still there in Philly. That's how much of a transformation that they've gone through. Jalen Hurts is, I, I'm looking forward to watching him up close and personal because I, I think that he is, he's a real fascinating story given that he was a 53rd pick overall. Nothing nothing like this was expected out of him when they took him. And so for him to be now on the doorstep of this, you know, 4-0 team, maybe the best team in the NFL, the contract extension he could be in line for is almost eligible. unheard of. Be yeah.
1: eligible when the season over he can get that and a lot of people like like why not get the same contract as Kyler Murray why not now, you talked about it earlier I don't think I, I don't think they're caught between a rock and a hard place let's see what happens with this kid but they've got a kid that they like he's a good quarterback he runs he passes like I don't think there's any doubt here that they're gonna have to resign him you know I just think you get to the point where we got a guy we like him he's good that's the going rate look you either play the game or you don't play the game going rate right for these quarterbacks is 40 million dollars a year
0: I think a lot depends on how they finish I agree the way things have started They don't have much of a choice. When we come back, Phoenix Suns not getting a ton of national love in terms of success this season. But could other teams' failures change how much love the Suns get? We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
1: Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports app. All right, we're going to spend...
0: Three or four minutes talking about the Suns game last night and the injuries and, and kind of what our takeaways was were from that game. It was still just a preseason game. We're not going to read too much into the preseason, but after the disaster that was Sunday night's preseason opener, I feel like we've got to talk about it for a couple of minutes. Then we're going to talk about this Victor Webanyama, who had another phenomenal day today. And there's actually some bleed over in that story on how it might impact the Phoenix Suns. I'm interested in that. It's I, interesting. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to want to hear that if you're a Suns fan. Let's start with the preseason game. Okay. They beat the Lakers last night. We don't really care about the result necessarily. We kind of care about how they got there. But before we even get to that, we have to get to the two injuries. Cam Johnson, campaign both left the game very early. Hands. Cam Johnson with a right thumb sprain. Campaign with a right finger sprain. I know you're doing the gamble thing, trying to find out. You haven't heard anything
1: new, have no, you? I haven't got any update on the injury, so we'll we'll see. They were in Vegas, so uh, we'll try to find out, but. I haven't, I haven't gotten any word yet, but yeah, both. I don't expect that those would be, you know, anything, you know, finger injuries, like jammed finger, whatever it is. I don't, I don't think it should be anything to worry about. But we'll, we'll wait to get a update from the. Science. I would
0: agree, and I'm not, I'm not really worried about a big picture. It's just more of a. It, it you see it, and you kind of hold your breath because it feels, at least to me, like especially Cam Johnson's position and Jay Crowder's trade request. Huh. They're thin there, you know. And campaign, we're not even sure whether we believe in him in the first place so they feel kind of thin there too at backup point guard and so those are two positions where you, you get uncomfortable when you start talking about injuries and guys missing time because it feels like that's kind of a spot of vulnerability for a certain extent well the uh,
1: yeah there's no question because we, we talk a lot about just the depth, and we, we have a lot of question marks about the depth now you know some of those will be answered. But, you know, Javel McGee was a depth guy. He's gone. Jay Crowder would have been a depth guy. He's not playing for the team. So you got a lot of new guys. You got a Koji who didn't play. You got Damian Lee. You got Landale. You, you got new guys coming in. Landale has looked good so far. I like him the most out of the three guys that they brought in. I don't think any of those were significant signings. But I like Landale because, again, he's different. He's just different because he could spread the floor and space it and shoot the three. I yeah. mean, JaVel McGee couldn't shoot the three, and DeAndre doesn't shoot the three, and Biombo doesn't shoot the three. So it does give you a center that could shoot the three, which they haven't had. He really popped last night. Unless Dario
0: plays. Oh, yeah, if Dario plays it. He really popped last night. Landale did. And, and he was active. Very active I, around the I, boards, I, too. I, very active on the board. Shoots the three. You can tell he's going to be a very willing pick-and-roll guy with Chris Paul. He sets a mean screen. He's just very active. He really stands out when you watch him. I, I still... I still have, I still wonder about Damian Lee. I still think he can contribute a little, but if Landale keeps playing like this, and I mean, look, Biombo didn't play last night, Landale did. So maybe there's something going on internally where he's moving ahead of Biombo on the depth chart in terms of playing. It's just preseason, regular season's open or not for a couple of weeks. I thought Shamit played really well last night. He needs to play like that most nights for me
1: to feel better about this bench and for me to be, feel better about him. Yeah, you pre, know, it, we know preseason means very little, but we are looking for good signs yeah. you know, with guys to, to get off to a good start, shooting the basketball, to play well, because you can build some confidence, right, if you play well. We know the preseason doesn't mean very much, but you are looking for guys that can, you know that were struggling last year to kind of get through that. Landry struggled last year. You're hoping this year that he takes a step, uh, a step and could deliver more for the Suns. And I especially like seeing him kind of on the ball running the
0: offense. All right, so the next preseason game, is coming up uh, I think on Monday and we'll hopefully get more information soon about the two camps in the meantime Victor Webinyama Okay. 36 points today, 11 rebounds. Oh, my God. In the words of John Hollinger, noted NBA insider for The Athletic, uh, 36 points, 11 rebounds, countless tanking conversations. Hollinger courtside tweeted out, staring blankly, trying to process what in the actual hell I just saw today. There are pictures of Webb and Yama feel like I- standing next to Rudy Gobert, and he Dwarfs him. Yeah, Gobert's got to look up to him, and yet he plays a like game a point guard like a point guard and shoots fluid, shoots, mm-hmm. drives to the rim, yeah. smooth, spins, can handles the handle the ball. Yeah, it's it's to the point where Adam Silver, who's in Abu Dhabi today for a preseason game, he's halfway across the world, was asked a question about teams tanking for Victor Webanyama
1: I worry I think I could be jinxing a player who hasn't come into the NBA yet by me anointing him as the next great one but he certainly um, has all the attributes of a true game changer uh, you know I mean the, the physical wherewithal he seems to have you know the mind to be a great player um, he stepped up on that big stage you know against team ignite I, I know that many of our um, NBA teams are salvating at the notion that potentially um, through our lottery that they could get him so they should all still compete very hard next season. The
0: emphasis on the word lottery. It is through not. Our lottery. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, do you got the lottery odds? It's not easy to get him even yeah. if you tank. I got him. If you um, okay, first the, first, the the worst record, second worst record, third worst give record. Me worse, give me worst. Give me worst. 14%. That's it. That's it. You, you have, have the, a 14% t- chance of the number tank,
1: one You tank. You tank. You have the worst record in the NBA. There's an 86% percent chance you don't get the guy
0: yep you have almost as good a chance getting the first pick if you have the fourth worst record in the nba as you do the first i mean it's 14 14 14 14 12 and a half 10 percent okay it's, all the, same. it's trying, all the same they're trying to flatten
1: it out but to prevent did. teams fra- but, they, but did. they did it, it's 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 wonderful what they've done in that regard yeah, like you can't <laughs> like i understand look you could tank for for a lottery ticket for a chance at that, at this kid, but your chances are not good. If you're the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth team, you have a shot, but you don't have a really good shot at it. Now teams will have a shot too, but those top, those bottom five teams, their chances of getting him are not that good. That has not stopped to chatter. One NBA GM
0: told ESPN on Wednesday, quote, Victor distorts basketball reality. The tank trade market will really shift after his showing a couple of nights ago. It feels like last night will start a race to the bottom like we've never seen, close quote. Now, how could it impact the Suns? Okay, let's go over. This is interesting. There is a belief that teams, once they realize they're not very good, will start the tanking process earlier in the season yeah. than they normally would have. In other words, they'll start trading players way earlier in the season and that teams that aren't tanking could actively benefit from teams that decide they want to get so in on this. teams
1: that may say, I could stay in this and maybe try to get into the play-in game... I'd rather not get into the play-in game and be one of the bottom five teams that have a 15% chance at what LeBron James called him a generational talent. He's 7'3", he's French, he handles the ball like a point guard, he blocks shots. He had seven three-pointers in that game. Okay. Yeah. Seven three pointers, five blocks, thirty-seven points, and that's you're exactly right. Think about it. You've got a team. Okay, if you're a fan, you're a fan. Your team could get into could be the 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 ninth or tenth seed and get into a play-in game, or you could trade like two of your players and try to try to lose games and have a fifteen percent chance of getting this kid. What do you want? What do you want? Yeah. What, I'm asking you, what do you want? What would I want? What would you want? Oh, I'd I'd rather the tank. You, so you trade your players. Yeah. You trade a couple. Of, you're the Spurs. You're the San Antonio Spurs. You want to try to fight for a play-in game? Or do you want to... Trade some of your talent and try to get into I'm not the winning the championship this five. year
0: if I'm the San Antonio Spurs. I'd rather give me the I'm lottery ticket. Give me a one in five chance. Right. Give me give me a one in six chance of getting the guy. Yeah. And, and, and then look, we're Suns fans. We played this game for years and years and years. We often lost this game we almost for always years and lost years this and game. years. Yeah. We, lost this, we yeah. lost this game many times. But there are executives around the league and they're, you know, anonymously cited in this story who believe that more players around the NBA could be available far sooner than the February trade deadline. The teams might decide early. You know what? Oklahoma Forget it. City.
1: Let's go. Well, OKC. Okay, what is OKC going to do? Because they've got Shea Gilgis Alexander who's really good on a max contract. The ringer. Twitter account tweeted out a, a meme
0: of a Jets player locked out of the Jets facility, <laughs> pulling on all the doors trying to open them. Yeah, And the ringer Twitter account was like, this is what Oklahoma City is going to do to Shy Gilgis Alexander as soon as they watch that Web and Yama tape. Right? They're like, you know what, on second thought, we are going to trade this dude because we need to suck. We need to be terrible. Shy Gilgis Alexander makes us too good next year. He's going to cost us ping pong balls and we're not going to be able to get the guy. And the thing about it is, there's a enough- Another player in this year's draft, a Scoot Henderson kid, oh, who's so not good. as who's not as good so as Web Yama. Though. Yeah. But two you, pick right if now. If you tank and you don't get number one, number two is not a bad consolation prize either. And that might further incentivize teams to say to hell with it. Let's not try to win this year. The Suns might be able to benefit from this if teams decide early. We're out. Never mind. We're, we're just going to go get after the ping pong balls. Let's trade this guy. Let's
1: trade that guy. San Antonio trade got rid of DeJounte Murray. Yeah. All right, he's on the Hawks right now. Did they trade Vassell? Did they trade Keldon Johnson? Did they try to? What about Oklahoma City? Like Chet Holmgren's out for the year, but Josh Giddy's a good player. Shay Gilgis Alexander's a good player. They've been trying to line up all these picks forever. Did they further commit to tanking to try to get this? Bring
0: kid? me Shay Gilgis Alexander two and two. It's not a terrible record, but at the same time, a year ago the Cardinals were four and zero. Oh. Who's been the biggest disappointment so far this year? We'll talk about that coming up, the Burns and Gambo show.
1: Burns and Gambo, afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports.
0: That's us, and it's time to update our Twitter poll question of the day. Zach Larson's in for Eric Ruby today in Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Zach, take it away. What do you got for us? All right. So we want to look at this first quarter of the season and look at who might be the biggest disappointment for the Cardinals so far in 2022. Is it AJ Green? Isaiah Simmons, James Connor, or Marcus Golden? We specifically picked players only because there's a story we're gonna talk about here in, in the next minute or so about one website says Cliff Kingsbury has been the biggest disappointment for the Cardinals. So we specifically went players. Isaiah Simmons, he was he's my choice. Feels like the right answer, though yeah. I will say Marcus Golden, it's been Real quiet. quiet. Real quiet for Marcus Golden so far. But Isaiah Simmons is the right answer so far. What's our audience say? It was it was him in the past. Is it Holden steady it, It's staying true, and it's actually grown a little bit. 48% of the vote going to Isaiah Simmons. A.J. Green was second last time. He's still in second with 30% of the vote. Marcus Golden was down by 0.3% in the vote for last place. He's now back up to third with 116 And James Conner... 11.1%, and he's definitely hurt my fantasy team, too, so oh, I would try I yeah. would put him up there, too. <laughs> he was a big
1: fantasy guy, wasn't he? He, oh, he, he was a huge was fantasy guy last huge. year. With all the touchdowns yeah. last year?
0: Oh, yeah, he was a huge fantasy guy last year. I drafted him already on the bench two weeks in a row. Really? No way. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. I, I'm starting him again. I, I have him on my team, too. Um, I'm starting Your him again own 4 this team week, that you didn't even draft? My 0-4 team that I didn't draft, I had two of my son's friends drafted for me, and, and I, I love those two kids, but God, they draft a horrible team for me. They're so bad. What are their names? (laughs) Uh, Zach and Garrett. Zach and Garrett, you guys suck. Zach and Garrett, I I, I love them both. You guys God, they drafted just the worst team
1: for me. Use your aggressive feelings, boys. Let the heat flow
0: you got to do it yourself. Can't trust Zach and Garrett. Uh, next time, it's like, I will not be out of town when yeah. it's time to draft my team because I'm not leaving it to Zach and Garrett. Wow. <laughs> He's very on Marco Wilson. <laughs> that's, Have they apologized to you? Oh, yes, profusely. Okay. Oh, yeah, profusely. Like, like they haven't quite offered to pay for my entry fee into the league Oh, they're yet. not going to do that young kids. I think that's next. I know their kids. They're not yeah. making anything right now. I think that probably should be next they should they should at least take like half of the cost of the entry league yeah you're not getting any money probably not no they're 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 pulling see the price of homes these (laughs) days young kids aren't giving you any money pulling pennies out of sofa cushions right now to try to make ends meet so no i'm not going to get that so it's zach garrett if you're listening chances are at least one of them are i love both of you but god this team you drafted me just just terrible biggest early season disappointments um, Bleacher Report was asked to choose one from each team, and I let the cat out of the bag early. Yeah. They picked Cliff Kingsbury for the Arizona
1: Cardinals. Yeah, and not it's kind of s- tough to argue. Not surprised at all. Listen, I, I said this to you earlier, and I think I caught you off guard. If Vance Joseph was the head coach and Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator, would people not be talking about changing the offensive coordinator? Mike McCoy-like? With the way the offense has been so bad in the first half? Of, you've had four games and the offense has been terrible in the yeah. first
0: half. It was It was was the Mike McCoy reference that caught me off guard. Mike McCoy got canned. I know, but he got canned what? Nine games into his Cardinals career, ten games into his Cardinals yeah, career, he had to do something to try uh, to salvage I, Steve Wills. And I'm not saying it wasn't justified; it was just. But Mark Mark McCoy in, in or Mike McCoy in the all-time like lexicon of man that didn't work out real well. That guy is like the the king
1: of that didn't work out real well. He yeah.
0: barely lasted it in November no, before he
1: got let go. Know, the offense was so bad. Now no, Kingsbury's offense has been better in the second half. They have the best. Uh, well, they have the best offense in football in the second half. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? Yep. So the first halfs have been really bad. The second halfs, the first halfs have been awful, like god awful, worse than the league. Second halfs have been much better. But overall, you, you know, again, if Vance was the head coach and Cliff was the OC, a lot of people would be questioning the OC. Like, you cannot have, continue to have these starts. How do you not script plays that work? You got all week to think about what plays you want to run in the beginning of the games and the plays for the Cardinals always seem to fail. That's number one reason why it's been a
0: disappointment this year. Number two, for me, is you had all off season to figure out how this is going to work without DeAndre Hopkins for know, six games, and you still haven't gotten anywhere with it. Now to sit here and blame it all on Cliff is not right. It's not responsible, and I know you're not trying to do that. And neither am I. I mean, you, you 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 pop over here to my side of the studio all the time. You show me this game film of Kyler Murray, and oh, look, that guy's open, and that guy's open, and he's not seeing him, and he's not seeing him. I and truly believe that, and that's not all Cliff's fault, right? But but I tell you. The, and I, I said this earlier and I really believe this. The most, the first 15 plays of this weekend's game will be the most scrutinized first 15 plays of any game. Maybe the Cardinals have ever played under Cliff Kingsbury because we all need to see what you're doing different. You, (laughs) You promised something different at the beginning of the week. You said it had to get better. Show me what that looks like starting on Sunday because these first halves
1: have not—they've been unwatchable. They've been turn off the TV bad. Who's more to blame, Cliff or Kyler? Because you're right. I do have the benefit of looking at the game film. I have have it all on my phone, so I'm able to look at the game film that shot, and you could see that Kyler's dot. This guy's wide open. The play calls aren't bad. Yeah, like the play calls are like to me. There's not like, oh my god, this guy can't call plays. There's somebody open on every single play. I just think that Kyler is failing the test on finding the open guy. More than not, he goes for the easiest route instead of the best route. Like I don't think that if you if you said ten plays in a row, how many times does he hit the guy that he should hit? I'm gonna say it's less than five. I'm going to say it's less than five times out of ten that he actually throws the ball to the guy that he should be throwing it to based on what the film is showing as to who is the most open of all the receivers. So you would say Kyler? I would say Kyler. Yeah. Not understand because I, I mean I show you like I don't I think it's Cliff's plays. I mean I, I, I know I, we could blame Cliff and there's a failure there. I'm not saying it's not you know that he should get some of the blame but I would put more of it on Kyler not understanding wow. what he's saying when he gets to the line of scrimmage.
0: I mean the answer is both of them, right? That's the right and correct answer. I I just, I put it more on Cliff. I put it more on Cliff because I I think ultimately Cliff's got to coach Kyler to see those open guys and he's got to figure out a way to make Kyler recognize what he's seeing. I think he's got to script better plays. I think he's got to, he's got to, Reinvent this offense. And I mean, we're a quarter of the way into year four of Cliff Kingsbury, who was brought in here specifically because of his offensive prowess. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be talking about this now at this moment, right? We shouldn't this was supposed to be their strength. This was supposed to be their their identity as a football team. Frankly, it was supposed to be what won them games this year because nobody thought the defense was good enough to win them games. None of that's happened yet. Ultimately. I put that on the offensive coordinator slash head coach more than I do the quarterback. I, that, that's just me. That's just
1: me. But the right answer is both of them. I just don't understand. I, you know, like, I would be sitting down with Kyler and going over the game film every single week, like, like, are you, like, you have to see this. Like you've gotta see this. You have and, to And I'm sure Like you gotta to get to the line of scrimmage and realize this is gonna be the this is gonna be what's open based on what the defense is showing
0: you right now. And I'm sure that's happening. I, I I'm I can't imagine that's not happening. I'm sure that conversation is taking place. It's just not whatever it is, it's not working, especially in the first half. It's not working. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're not gonna miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show Podcast podcast brought to you by carol royce keller williams realty east valley get a higher price selling your home get guaranteed offers go to higherprice.com that's higherprice.com asu staring their worst start since world war Two, dead in the face all while trying to figure out who's going to replace herm edwards who is going to replace herm edwards that's next on the burns and gambo show
1: And Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports app.
0: Well, the football gods have answered Gambo's prayer. ASU's game on Saturday will be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Is it 1 or 2 o'clock in the I afternoon? I think it was, I thought it was 2. The 2? Okay. They've answered your prayers because yes. you, you know you so many times. Oh, I'm tired of the, the night games, 7 seven yeah.
1: thirty games, um, and and of course Washington one thirty in the morning. Still feels
0: that way. Still ranked despite their loss to UCLA last Friday. It, it's the end of the beginning, if you will, for, for ASU football. This, this horrible gauntlet of Utah. Still got UCLA
1: on the you schedule. You know what? You're right. They still got uh, thank UCLA. You, thank
0: you. You're right. They're undefeated. We expected them to not be very good, and lo Washington. and behold, they're 5-0
1: and and pretty yeah, good. Yeah, UCLA is, they still got the
0: Bruins. I forgot about them. I, I Thank you for correcting me. In fact, mm. I'm going to look and Let's see. It's not for a,
1: couple, a few more
0: weeks, but they've got UCLA down the road. Home game, uh, first weekend in November, Saturday, November 5th. Okay. Yeah, so doesn't look like an easy game right now. You no, say playing good? No, it doesn't. It it, it doesn't at all. And I, I tell you that that at Washington State game on Saturday, November twelfth, oh, they never win there. They never win there no. to begin with. They, Washington they just don't even show up.
1: Washington just, State's pretty good this year too. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that
0: one doesn't look good. Let's
1: just let's let's not play the
0: game and say we did. Nobody will know. Lose this weekend to Washington. They're one in five, I think, for the first time since nineteen forty four. Well, they're off to their worst start since seventy six, I think. But lose this weekend. And it's like their worst start since World War Two. I mean you have to go a long, long, long way back before, you know, you're you're one in five to start the season. Um it, it's expectations. I mean, right now, really, honestly, right now, for ASU football, let's just call it like it is, it's less about the now and more about the later. Everybody's trying to figure out what comes next. Everybody yes. trying mm. to figure out who comes next. And, and that will, and, and maybe Sean Aguano does something over the course of these last few games to impress management around there, to make it look like he should get the job. I think most people assume they will go get somebody else to be the head coach. The question is who? Bruce Feldman over at The Athletic took a stab at it and threw some very interesting names out yeah, there for let's AAC just, football. Listen,
1: I don't, we don't know anything. I'm trying to find out, but let's just go through the names. Current head coaches. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State. Kalani Sataki, BYU. Charles Huff, Marshall. Sean Lewis, Kent State. Okay? Huff is 39. Sean Lewis is 36. Jonathan Smith is 43. All very young coaches, current head coaches, okay? You would think out of, okay, Oregon State for ASU, upgrade. Uh, BYU for ASU, upgrade. Yeah, I think it's an upgrade. No, maybe not. I, I don't know. Sorry,
0: I, I just went uh, Mike Salk on you there. I
1: don't know about that. Uh, coordinator was hugely, hugely... Marshall and Kent State are, up, are Well, I'm not arguing those, but BYU, okay, BYU, BYU, B- is, BYU is... is
0: very debatable. How upgrade that that much? How much of an upgrade that is? I think. Okay, BYU going to the Big Twelve. Yeah. Right? Yes, I mean, it's not are. like they're, they're, going they're, they're to the Big floating
1: in independent obscurity. Yeah. They're going to the Big 12. They've kind of found a home. Yeah, they've and, been an independent for a number of years yeah. now. And then next year, 2023, they will be in the Big 12. Okay, I'll buy you that one. Okay. I'll buy, I'll, 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 I'll agree with you there. Okay. Former head coaches who are now coordinators Todd Munkin, Georgia's offensive coordinator. He's 56 years old. Barry Odom, Arkansas defensive coordinator. The uh, Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator bill, from, from bill Alabama. O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Wow, yes. how about that name, right? Remember him? Mm, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So that, so that's a big, that, that's a bigger name. Assistant coaches and coordinators: Alex Grinch, USC defensive coordinator; Jeff Grimes, Baylor's OC; Casey Dunn, Oklahoma State's OC. So, those are the names that Feldman mentions. Now, you know, if you want to go big program, you've got coordinators at Georgia, Arkansas, uh, Bama. USC, Baylor, assistant coaches and coordinators Oklahoma State so you've got some those are big name schools but sure. if you're looking for head coach you know you're, you're you're looking at lower schools Kent State, Marshall Oregon State those type of schools if you're looking for a current head coach
0: I remember the one thing we haven't gotten a lot of breadcrumbs when it comes to this this search but one of the few things that ASU has said about it was they, they need somebody not young but certainly somebody who thinks young, right? It's kind of college football coaching has kind of become a young man's game you know keeping up with the rules and the shifting landscape NILs how the game is coached now how the game is played now that that Ray Anderson again not knowing exactly how much say he's going to have in this process Ray Anderson did sort of lay out this idea that it's got to be a younger guy with a younger man's passion a younger man's energy because the job requires so much of that so when I look at a list like
1: this four years ago the Job required an old 60 something year old guy. Uh, I, 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 what you, what you, in four years, you went uh, from we need to have a younger coach. But you just hired Herm Edwards just four years ago. Well, and that's the, and I don't know how much younger is younger. You
0: know, like, is. You hired Herm when he was it, 64. Is mid 40s young enough? Is yeah, mid 50s yeah. young enough, right? I, I mean, right. what's. I'm just saying that that's the one kind of qualifier that Ray Anderson has put on the job. That's the one thing where he said we would be looking for somebody like that. Or are you looking for somebody in their 30s? Are you, are you looking for somebody who really is young? Can I throw another name in there that I was thinking about okay. a couple days ago? Okay. When Matt Rule gets gassed from the Carolina Panthers, okay yeah. Success at Baylor. Yeah. Success at Temple. The guy I, I mean, everywhere he's gone in college football, he is one one one. Everywhere he's gone, and I was watching. And I wasn't the only one. I want to make it sound like this is some original thought or anything, but I was watching that game on Sunday, thinking, "I told you." Like I woke up on Monday morning, I thought for sure Matt Rule was going to be fired. I thought he was gone. I, I thought after losing to the Cardinals like that
1: at home, he was going to get. He guess. might want to go back to college. He might want to go back to college and coach the Big Twelve. He might be a guy. Well, <laughs> when ASU moves, <laughs> when there. ASU moves there,
0: <laughs> he might be a guy that. When he becomes available, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he leaps up lists like this for ASU's head coaching shop. I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know what his West Coast highs are. And I think, I, I do honestly think that that matters a little bit. You know, I think you want a coach with West Coast ties a little. He doesn't have to be in the West Coast now, but somebody who at some point has spent some time on the West Coast because you're going to recruit L.A. so much because you're going to root. You're going to recruit the West Coast. I think you want somebody who kind of knows those coaches and knows those programs. I think that matters he a was, little bit. Um,
1: he was a defensive line coach for UCLA. Okay, at one point. Okay, and, but that, that was that was like a while that. ago. But I, he I like was. That. You know, obviously, you know, he's the head coach at Baylor, so he'll be. Able to recruit that area? Do you think um, that matters? A guy with West Coast ties? I think it helps. I agree. I think it helps. I mean, I was just looking at one of the candidates on the list, the Casey Dunn, the the Oklahoma State offensive coordinator. He's a California guy, so he's from California. So I think it helps. You want to? Um, but listen, I think honestly, I think what I think college football is going to change a whole lot. So I think your ability to win over transfers in the portal is going to be just as important because these kids, you you you. Look at the numbers of kids that you recruit and then transfer out within a year or two. It's such a high number. So yeah, recruit. You got to recruit. I understand that. I still believe in it, but less. I believe in it less because the kids aren't staying. Hey, am I going to be the starter? No. Okay, I'm out of here. I'll give you a year. I'll give you two years. If I'm not where I want to be, I'm out of here. So then you're in So now you've got to get kids in the transfer portal all the time. So yeah. I think you know your ability to just win over. Kids is going to be important.
0: You can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line. It is open and available to you all throughout the Burns and Gambo show. You can text us at 620-620. Now, when we come back, Vance Joseph has all season long been asked an awful lot about his star backer. Now that Isaiah Simmons is playing, are the questions done when it comes to Simmons? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show.